Welcome for the third Great Transformation session. The Great Transformation is an initiative by economists, urbanists, sociologists, policymakers, who all thought that these big goals we have, we face, these big transitions we face, that the biggest challenge is to get them to the ground, to land these big goals, and to see how we can activate local coalitions in many places so that we can accelerate the transformation. The Great Transformation is hence a work of many people at the same time. It's an online environment, it's a public program, and it's a learning environment. It's, a, it's in fact an infrastructure, an infrastructure that serves to launch certain trajectories, explorations. Last week, we had the first, the second Great Transformation session on food parks, where we debated how we can match local owners of land with new farming practices to make more space for local and biological food production. This week, we're focusing on energy districts. How can we actually make sure that all the goals we have for this energy transition can actually land in our neighborhoods? Energy districts is a huge policy uh, goal of the European Commission. In every country um, of Europe, there's explorations and also beyond uh, Europe. And still, it's very hard to, to break through the boundaries, the buffers, the, the limits we face, uh, engaging people and making sure that the technical solutions we can draw on paper also land in our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our building blocks, um, and that we can actually activate them really in our uh, living environments. We will have this conversation tonight um, with four guests. Uh, Jim Segers, uh, development activist, uh, the most beautiful description of a profession um, from uh, CityMind. Welcome. Thank you. Eva Pfannes, architect urbanist uh, from Oos, uh, coming from uh, Rotterdam, but actually coming from Germany and working in a very international um, practice uh, also on the energy transition. We'll come back uh, to you. Ruben Batens, um, energy expert, um, consultant working at 3E, uh, a Brussels-based but actually European and even global, uh, globally operating consultancy firm, one of the, yeah, the pilots, you could say, of the energy transition um, in Belgium. And Yves de Weert, sociologist uh, at uh, VITO, the Flanders Institute for, Technologi for Technology, um, and uh, leading there the um, uh, transition uh, team, seeing how the technological solutions can actually also match the societal needs and how societal dynamics can be connected to these uh, technological solutions. Thank you very much for joining me for this uh, yeah, huge endeavor. Uh, we have in front of us, in the midst of the table, a difficult question, a wicked question. And tonight we're actually trying to bring all the knowledge we already had first in the online platform. I will run through in a moment. And then we will build together with each other, uh, or maybe confront each other also with insights that are con diverging uh, to see if we can actually bring us a step further, because that's the goal of the Great Transformation, to bring, to bundle the expertise that is dispersed, to see where we stand, and to see if we can push it one step further towards uh, implementation, towards acceleration of the energy transition. I will first take you through the online platform. Um, uh, we launched tonight the second um, uh, workspace of the online platform, second future place out of 10, Energy districts, as you see here, we're going online now. And on the online uh, platform, we can actually see uh, a workspace where we start with an introduction with a central question. How can we improve 
The technical question, the energy performance of our building stock, which uses a lot of energy, but might also produce energy in a collective and affordable way, because not everyone is able to do this, not only to reduce the CO2 emissions, but also to achieve other sustainability targets and to increase local entrepreneurship and improve the quality of living, of housing in our uh, neighborhoods. That's the central question. We brought together a lot of the expertise in the next uh, part, um, where we see the vitrine, the vitrine shows the work in progress, what we bring to together today. You see actually elements that all the speakers bring in um, uh, tonight represented um, on this uh, vitrine, from La Pille to um, the work in uh, Bospolder Tussendijk in, in the Netherlands uh, where Oes uh, is working. Um, uh, and we will bring all this expertise together in this conversation. But what is the logic of the great transformation if we move downward uh, on the online platform? It's to actually see how we can actually harvest the knowledge that is already there in a first phase uh, in this linear diagram that is actually a more iterative process, uh, harvesting and assembly, assemble all the knowledge we already have, and then to see if we can provoke a breakthrough with the collective intelligence that we can bring together here uh, tonight. And that's actually where we stand. We will start, maybe before uh, allowing you to uh, intervene uh, for a first time, if we move downward, um, we see that we brought together a lot of the yeah, a lot of the expertise, practice, innovations that are already existing in one um, building site, the virtual building site of the energy district. And in the virtual building site of the energy district, we brought together nine components, you could say, pieces of the puzzle we thought that could be brought together. And maybe we move to a first. These f these, the first is, in fact, what we see happening in many places is local energy communities standing up, people engaging with or energy communities being established to engage, to enroll people, to find a way to also to activate people and move uh, further. A second, um, uh, via, for example, also collective renovation programs. Uh, a second is the scale of the uh, neighborhood. Uh, and there we see that at the neighborhood scale, there's a search to organize, here you could say, coordination platforms, uh, neighborhood initiatives, energy communities, but also how do we organize this between public authorities, is citizens collaborating uh, and so on. A third uh, crucial element that we will try to discuss tonight is how can we actually move towards new financial models. It's a huge investment. We will go into that uh, later on. It's a huge investment that not everybody can handle or doesn't feel like handling. So how can we actually set up these new financial and development uh, models? And lastly, if we look at all these districts where we need to renovate and transform our existing housing stock with the inhabitants, renters, users of those spaces, the question is, can we establish a supra-local program? How do we make sure that this happens in every neighborhood? This sets a bit the stage. If we look at all the expertise that is being built throughout uh, different neighborhoods um, in uh, the Netherlands, Belgium, uh, and uh, throughout Europe, in fact, we see that on each of these fields, there's a lot of experimentation. We brought this experimentation uh, around this table, but also on the online platform. And we'll try to see if we can kickstart a conversation from there, standing on the shoulders of that expertise to see if we can bring it and push it one step further. I'd like to start maybe, um, Ruben, with one central question. You are an architect by education, but you focused uh, quite immediately on the energy uh, uh, transition uh, and expertise. Um, but the central question that we need to answer before starting is, why do we need to focus in light of the energy transition on the existing building stock? Is it crucial to, to look at this, what we have, or 
what others have been exploring? Shouldn't we focus on, the, uh, on Africa to use the desert and a lot of soil uh, around the equator? Isn't that much more easy to make a kind of caricature of my question? Well, to focus on the desert of, 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 of Africa is, is, it could be logic from an energy point of view, but at the end, it's not about energy. If we want to focus on climate, it's about emissions. Um, and in Belgium, we have a few million houses yeah. with emissions in the sense that they all have a gas boiler or a gas oil boiler. And we need to get rid of them. We might think about energy, whatever we want. At the end, the goal is to get rid of the use of fossils and the fossil use is in the houses or is on the driveway of the houses being the car. So the real, f I mean, if we have to get rid of the emissions, we have to get handle all the houses and that's, that's key and it means we have to treat millions of houses in a very short term and that's a huge challenge. That's a huge challenge indeed. Uh, it's about, uh, if I'm not mistaken, about 100,000 houses per year we would need to renovate in Flanders alone, for example. If you add the, Nether the Netherlands and Brussels and Bologna, you will get uh, even further. Um, so what you're saying is we have no choice. We need to actually engage with these, this difficult metal, this complex issue, because not all the citizens see that the technical solutions that are being developed, you're also involved in such uh, trajectories, are necessary for them, are working. What is the, from the, point, from the technical point of view, what do you see, where does it stop? I think it's not really the key that the people see that the, the technical solutions are not working for them. I think it's really the key for them that they don't see the personal need for it, they don't see any personal benefit for it, because yeah. Um, what we're trying to do is convince people to just replace one machine by another, maybe in their house. Um, but it's just the same house and it's probably be the same energy bill. Um, so they, they don't gain anything except for uh, a, a little bit nicer, fancier looking uh, boiler. Um, and this is not how you convince people to do something. So you have to bring more to people than just um, an energy challenge that they have to, to solve, I think. That's also something now you're bringing us to something that is really crucial. Uh, we see uh, on the screen, uh, and you see at home, in fact, a, f a, a simple mapping exercise trying to depict the places um, in Belgium where we actually need to uh, intervene, the places in, in Flanders and Brussels, sorry, where we need to intervene. So it's not a little part of our territory. These are all the uh, aged uh, homes, so the ones that are not built recently. Uh, so it means that there's an incredible task um, for uh, all of us around the table, so it's, there's not a lack of work. Um, there's rather the question of how we can engage with this uh, type of work. Um, Jim, also you uh, are busy within these, these uh, neighborhoods, uh, trying to exactly test whether and how you can enroll and find entry points uh, to people. Can you maybe first give us a glimpse? We will talk about it further later. Well, yeah, I'd like to address your, your issue via a small detour, maybe, because if you say we have no choice, my heart bleeds, because that's, I think, what a development activist should try to do, that is create choice and opportunity of choice. I apologize um, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, big question is, I think, um, maybe I have to explain what CityMind tries to do. Yes. It is, we have two taglines. One is um, urban development is everybody's business. Everybody's involved in that, even the people who are don't want to get yep. too engaged, they have, a s they have an impact on what happens. So that's one thing. Related to that, there's a more political issue, that is um, shuffle power structures. In, in our reading of the city, power structures are often very stable, create a status quo that impedes development and development towards a more sustainable future. Mm -hmm. So those are the core things we do. 
and we, we focus them on, on specific topics, in this case on energy. Mm -hmm. So that's how we came to the, to the topic. And then um, energy communities provided us with an opportunity because they can come from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting. That's where the human experience can engage with these top-down solutions or technical solutions. And one of, one of the things we learned is that um, the awareness of people goes much lower than, than the technology. And what we say in developing energy communities is always, um, don't let the tech dictate your pace. Try to follow the, the user's uh, speed in implementing and coming up with new ideas. And can you then say that it also works, that you can find a language to start talking about the energy transition, which is something abstract mostly for people? Can you see how you can connect those things? I think that's the work we're doing now, that's that finding that common language. Because an, a mistake often made is that you can promise people that their bill will be reduced by, by taking technological measure, measures. And that's hard to prove. It's hard to, to sustain when you particularly work in areas like we work in. We're currently working in a, a social housing block. Mm -hmm. The difference is very hard to calculate. So that's not a promise we can make. We have to come up with other things. And one of the things is uh, creating community, engaging people in a common project, and that project could be a sustainable future, but it could be one of the projects. So in a way you're saying that the energy transition shouldn't be the goal in itself, but becomes a kind of yeah, element, near, nearly a means to actually sustain and support the community development. In part, but th there's also a second thing that is, I think, energy communities, and that's a bit I was missing in your question, if I can critique straight away, that is, I think it should also address inequality. It would be unfair to say, like, we who saw the light are going to implement what those who haven't seen the light yet will need in the future. They just have to learn. It's, it's creating an ecological vanguard, and vanguard is not what we're very good at in this world. I mean, I Thank don't you. have to quote examples. Maybe this is a good moment to actually introduce a part of the online platform um, that you can all access uh, from home, but we will give you a, a kind of uh, introduction. Uh, Mieke de Bruyne uh, made a series of portraits of people engaged in these transitions, but from eye level, from s from a, not from, a, as you said, a more technical point of view, but really standing with the two feet in the street and learning how people experience this. We will look at the a movie of Els, who was helped by Energent uh, in Ghent um, and the social uh, services of the city to actually uh, get engaged with the energy transition. Ik ben Els en ik ben een um, ja, sociaal geëngageerde alleenstaande moeder met twee opgroeiende tieners. Ik heb een eigen huis, maar het huis is uh, oud. Ik heb altijd gewerkt, maar dat maakt niet dat ik een groot budget heb of eigenlijk bijna geen spaarcenten heb om daarmee aan de slag te gaan. Dankzij Buurzame Stroom heb ik um, acht zonnepanelen. En um, waarvoor dat ik zeer dankbaar ben dat ik dat heb kunnen doen. Via het buurthuis uh, werd er een infoavond georganiseerd. En daar werd er eigenlijk uitgelegd uh, dat Buurzame Stroom een project was voor zonnepanelen en groene energie in het hart van Sint-Amandsberg te creëren. En dan ook voor iedereen. Mensen met mogelijkheden, met uh, financiële mogelijkheden, met minder budget en met helemaal geen budget. Dus ik, ik, mijn oor of mijn, mijn licht begon branden. 
samenlevingsopbouw heeft dan moeite gedaan om huis aan huis te gaan in verschillende wijken. Ik heb ook gezegd van ik wil daaraan meewerken. Um, alle mensen die hier op Sint-Amanswerk wonen, die zijn daarbij betrokken. Er is zoveel moeite gedaan, er is echt heel veel moeite gedaan. Als je interesse had, dan konden de mensen van samenlevingsopbouw en Energent ook persoonlijk bij jou komen voor die extra uitleg te geven. Voor dan eigenlijk te kijken van kijk, jouw situatie, hoe ziet dat eruit? Wat is uw vraag? En hoe kunnen we dat realistisch maken? Financieel, technisch, uh, verbouwingen, wat dan ook. Um, ook voor mensen die een huis huren, werd er gekeken. Kan je zelf de zonnepanelen bekostigen en kan je dan een regeling treffen met de eigenaar. Want dat was eigenlijk de grootste zorg. Van ja, als er zonnepanelen dan gelegd worden, dan gaat de huurprijs naar omhoog gaan. Of ga ik uit mijn huis gezet worden? En dat is eigenlijk een overeenkomst uh, waarbij dat tussen de eigenaar en de verhuurder dat de prijzen niet direct naar omhoog ga, zouden gaan. Um, en, en dat er eigenlijk een win-win situatie is. Dus dat is eigenlijk verbonden met een app Sunny Portal. En op die Sunny Portal kan ik eigenlijk volgen van dag tot dag, van uur tot uur, wat dat de opbrengst is van mijn zonnepanelen. Dat mag niet. Ik kan ook zien wanneer dat het meeste energie gegenereerd wordt. Dus eigenlijk op die manier kan ik ook zien wanneer dat ik best mijn technische toestellen aanzet. Zodanig dat zo weinig mogelijk van mijn eigen verbruik uh, die omgezet wordt, niet teruggegeven wordt naar het net en dat ik het zelf kan gebruiken. Wat eigenlijk toekomstperspectief is, is dat er batterijen bestaan, zodanig dat je je eigen energie kunt opslaan met een batterij en dan kunt inzetten op het moment dat je het nodig hebt. Ze bestaan al, maar ze zijn momenteel nog veel te duur. Dus bij sommige mensen is dat al, bij andere mensen is dat toekomstperspectief, denk ik. Ja. Dat clarifies ook hoe people are already engaging and working uh, on the energy uh, uh, transition and how also this enrollment is really a, a crucial question. Um, Eve, as a, yeah, you're working, we talked already about the technical and the social. From your point of view uh, at Vito, um, you're leading as a sociologist the transition team and you, you said that you also hit this boundary of thinking from a point of view of technicality, even financing models earlier on uh, already and you thought we need to find another uh, approach. Can you maybe explain what, what this discovery was and which pathways you see as potential? Um, this is so many interesting things already said at the table. <laughs> um, but uh, to, to continue on, on what, um, what Jim said, I think the, um, that it's, very, it's not only very hard to calculate, for example, in a social environment um, what the business model for every individual household could be. Um, but it's also a point of the fact that um, if you go to a renovation, there's a kind of spillover on different domains, certainly in people living in poverty. There's often a problem of very cold wind, which makes people uh, sick and, and make them go to the doctor often. Uh, they will have problems with um, uh, um, moisture in their houses. So with an energy renovation, you get a, a kind of a spillover uh, to the profit of health. Uh, but, but that distributed profit of the energy renovation is not, there's, there's no responsibility or there's no means at this point to activate it because mm -hmm. we don't take it up as a, as a, as a co-benefit of, uh, 
uh, of an energy renovation where you could say, well, this is just like, this is health policy. So energy, um, energy transition is not only about energy, but it's also about health. So why not try to think about a co-financing um, model where from, from a health budget you co-finance uh, an energy transition um, to stay away from the more um, uh, closed models of, of um, kind of a rolling fund or um, pre-financing. Um, mm. You said you tested this and that it also didn't work, that you didn't find the citizens or cities to enroll with this, these types of more technical, so the, the no, logic that you can have no, on paper doesn't work when you go into the street. No, because there, there, there are um, different barriers. Um, the, the, the general ones is that we, we have a, a very diverse um, housing typology who makes it very difficult to get to some s uh, sort of scale of, mm -hmm. um, uh, of have a collective uh, group buy um, and, um, and to get some efficiency in the renovations because the houses are just too different, so it's very hard to, f to, to find that. Um, and um, for example, with, with um, uh, people in, in poverty, they, um, what you can gain on their bill because they already use really um, limited, amount, the, of limited amount of energy. So what you can gain on their, uh, on their bill is too low to get kind of make it attractive for an investor to get mm -hmm. to get to a business model, mm -hmm. um, and um, so you end up with a point of dignity f for me in a way to to uh, to approach this because uh, people who are really um, well from a climate point of perspective they are really doing exceptionally well because they only use a limited amount of energy. Uh, and those people are kept out of the economic models that we are now using to look at these kinds of, mm -hmm. uh, um, of, of neighborhood um, uh, renovation yes. schemes. Um, I see you're playing with an electric cable. Can yeah. you <laughs> can you try can to you explain to us to why <laughs> this is? Well, is this always the case, or no? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, no, mostly around with a water tube in my hand. Okay, but okay. This, today it's an electricity cable. Um, this cable for me is, um, it, it always triggers, when I, I was involved in a European project, I think, uh, where Jim was involved as well, Seismic, which was about social innovation uh, for sustainability in cities. And we explored uh, the, the energy point of view. Uh, and at a certain point, we touched uh, the, the, um, the fact that when we talk about social policy on, on energy, uh, it, it means, for example, that when people are not able to bill, pay their bill, yes. we, t we still provide them with a little bit of energy, just a small a amount. Minimal service, uh, a minimal yeah. service of energy. And we say this is social. We call that social policy. Um, but this is, that's a very low ambition, because if you would look at it from a point of view of dignity, then you say, well, we put people in the dependence of a centrally organized uh, energy system where yes. they don't have any say, they, they can... Uh, they can decide how it's organized. They can say anything about the price mechanisms. Um, so they have very little influence. Uh, but still those people at that point when they can pay their bills uh, through decisions that are made elsewhere and they can influence, th they almost have to choose whether they have to cook food or watch television. So th and and that's, not, that's not dignity. So social policy as we see it now is very, uh, very limited. And, and so and if you flip that? If you flip that around and you take a perspective of dignity, then you come out with the spillover effects to health or that. So it's, for me, 
that way of taking um, a, a quite radical social perspective is a way of opening up the way of how we look at, at, at business models and to discover how uh, they are, um, uh, I don't know, pol polished through, through yeah. the time. From, uh, from so, a uh, interesting, T two points. First, from a point of view of technical solutions, we need people to enroll, so, and it apparently it doesn't work, but if we flip it all over, in fact, to have the spillover effect, to see how the energy transition can have influence, positive influence on health and other uh, living quality, uh, moisture you said, it, 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 it helps. Let's maybe pick this up. But you also said the tests in Belgium uh, proved that the, the individual houses of all, all of different kinds next to one another prove that it's really difficult to move to a collective renovation wave. And that's, of course, the moment when it's really interesting to move outside of our country to see if we can get inspired. Eva, I'm coming to you. Um, <coughs> you've been working uh, upon the invitation of the International Architecture Biennial Rotterdam in a laboratory uh, situation, the Atelier Bospolder Tussendeken. Can you maybe explain what, the, what you heard until now, but I think maybe also what this is uh, about, because the same test working with people on the ground, even anthropologists, was done to actually start understanding which this connection, what these connections could be between energy abstract goal mm -hmm. and yeah. the experience and aspirations of people. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So we've been working on the local energy action plan for one and a half years now. And we started out going into the neighborhood with the anthropologists, um, asking, yeah, why do we need the energy transition, actually? Mm -hmm. You know, like, people say we need it, but why do we actually need it? And so then we drilled down to the bottom of this question and started to discuss that with people. We prepared some slides where we actually tried to explain what happens, like basically CO2 is not a hoax, which mm -hmm. is believed sometimes, but it actually does heat up our climate. And um, we have other things like earthquakes in Groningen. So if we use too much gas, other people suffer. So that's something that's quite an immediate kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. um, that earthquakes help, you say? Yeah, well, the relationship that other people, you know other people suffer. I understand. Make helps. And not so far away, so it becomes more clear. Not too far away, like, like let's say. Um, but also, it is totally wrong to assume that because people are less well-off or because people are poor, they don't want to shape their future. Um, um, they, they really want to participate, they want to understand, they're absolutely eager to learn, but uh, mostly leaflets uh, from the municipalities speak the wrong language. Mm -hmm. um, maybe not the language, but even like in a setting like we have now, mm -hmm. in person explaining, that's really the setting that people would welcome uh, to be told what mm -hmm. it is about and how they could eventually also, because there's a lot of fears, of course, uh, of bills that raise uh, when the heat network comes from mm -hmm. the municipality, for instance. Um, and so we have to address basically all these problems, plus the comfort situation, plus the playground situation, plus uh, public transport. So we have to actually address their problems through the energy transition, and then we can get people on board. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and can you explain maybe what these anthropologists found out, let's say, when they were going uh, together with you? What, what were particular insights that actually changed the perspective? Uh? Uh, yeah, kind of what I um, summed up now, like yeah. basically to, um, to, to listen carefully, mm -hmm. um, to 
it's very local. Like I'm talking now about this particular neighborhood in, in Rotterdam where we have uh, very old building stock, mostly people post-war uh, post people live in drought. They have mm -hmm. mold. Mold is a massive issue in the buildings. Um, well the quality humidity, of the building stock is a huge problem. Humidity, yeah. therefore they become sick, as you mentioned already. Mm -hmm. That's a huge problem. But also, like, simply it's too hot. Mm -hmm. So that's the other issue. Like, it's basically the climate change is happening already. There is not enough trees. Um, and it's too hot. And we might even need to look into cooling. So what are the possibilities to combine this mm -hmm. together? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, um, clear. So you say... Uh, energy, we should broaden the concept of energy in the sense that it has spillover effects on other things, yeah. but you're also going looking at uh, energy in many ways, eh? yeah. the energy of people yeah. mobilizing around yeah. uh, something. Uh, I'd like to come back to you, uh, Jim. Um, you launched, uh, one of the initiatives is entitled La Pile. Uh, you're working in several districts of Brussels, but you started working in the uh, district around the South Station, uh, which is world famous as an inter international node in the traffic scheme, but at the same time is also a neighborhood mm. in, uh, yeah, in the lower part of the city, mm. canal, railroads, so an infrastructure hub means always that fragilized populations uh, are living around it. Can, can you explain maybe how you tackled uh, this and also what you discovered in working with those uh, people? We can see the neighborhood now um, uh, on the screen, so it's the part where you were uh, uh, yeah. active. Exactly. Um, this is uh, Saint-Gilles, so the... Um, the the lower part of Saint-Gilles. Um, I think what, uh, to come back to La Pile, because that's important to understand. The, the way which we see a drawing now, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, the way we um, like to work is to gather, very naively gather information on the topic. Uh, mm -hmm. As City Mind, we, we um, talk to the experts and ask what is, what is happening now. Mm -hmm. And the uh, focus of the question is always where the citizens have an, um, a potential to make a difference, to have an impact. Um, uh, where does our power lie? Uh, so we did this trajectory as well. And on the one mm -hmm. hand, we talked to a lot of people in this area, the previous area, sorry. Yeah. Um, where uh, we noticed that electricity is, a, is, an, is an issue for them. Um, uh, I mean, energy is an issue, but very complicated to discuss. So we narrowed it down to electricity uh, uh, specifically, because that comes into your house physically. That's yeah. um, something you deal with every day. And that became a, a topic of conversation. And from then on, I think um, uh, we uh, came across the uh, opportunities of a changing legislation. Particularly in Brussels, there was a sandpit situation where law could be tested just mm -hmm. by proposals of individuals. And that, for a group like us, is, is, uh, Ideal. is, a, is a Christmas gift. So um, we started to mobilize citizens to do just that. So find out something outside the zone of legislation where we can try things. Mm -hmm. And from that emerged uh, two big... Um, uh, poles, I would say, in the um, uh, Midi neighborhood. One is the uh, building you see now. Mm -hmm. It's a drawing of uh, Vlogert, which is a social housing block of about 100 flats, where uh, the um, housing association uh, was prepared uh, towards the end of last year to put solar, solar panels on the roof. But uh, we were there with them and said, can we do an extra trajectory along uh, the the technological one is a social one, mm -hmm. where the, the residents of this block take ownership of this installation. Initially, uh, just ownership mentally, but in a second uh, phase also uh, legally ownership, in the sense that the benefits come back to an association they are creating. Mm -hmm. This is the type of ideas we would come up with in meetings like this, very easy, very straightforward. 
But then to, you can to bring it into practice is another ball game, you could say. Exactly, exactly, because these are residents and um, there's only 100 meters diverse, as you can imagine them. Mm. One is uh, an elected councillor, uh, a high school teacher. Uh, towards the other end, there's people who arrive in the neighborhood who don't speak or write uh, French or Dutch, and you have to tell them one uh, specific story. So that's why I brought this object. Object, maybe I can make a small that's transition. True. Yes. Um, what we wanted to do is work in three steps. One is um, uh, you can save a lot of energy by awareness, mm -hmm. uh, by making people aware that if you use your energy at a better time, your energy is a lot greener. Um, if you, um, um, well, th that's the first thing. The second thing is you could start produ producing yourself in the neighborhood. Um, and that's for, for the immediate neighborhood, that's probably only solar panels. Mm -hmm. So there was a solar panel scheme. And the, the third thing was uh, sharing electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, they're called um, uh, collective self-consumption groups. And that, for this specific area, was, was something we wanted to test. But mm -hmm. it's a very slow process. But that's why we made this. Um, there's people who saw a real solar panel for the first time, so mm -hmm. that's why we had this. And then we had a very, very simple scheme actually we did this on the outside because Can you maybe pick it up and show it uh -huh. um, i don't know which camera wants to pick it up um it's actually just a breadboard that has a led where the led the red one showed the electricity from the solar panels that goes on the grid on the the national grid so basically for a local project that's lost because it gets mixed up with uh, different colors of electricity so it would make more sense to to consume it locally so what we did is um i put the solar panel down is we said in a first phase, uh, there's only one uh, green LED and one and there's only one green LED. So the red one lights up very strongly. Mm -hmm. And then we put on a second one, and then the red one goes softer. And you put on a third one, and the red one doesn't light up anymore because when we can consume everything completely locally. Technically, that's very simple, and that was a very interesting way to discuss the long term with residents to say if we could within this block start sharing among each other the solar panel energy we don't lose energy from this neighborhood, we keep it for ourselves, and we also have an impact on, on community creating. Um, and then the second thing was what you mentioned earlier before, that it obliges us to develop a common language on the issue of elect electricity and energy Indeed, yeah. among people who I think they share five or six languages, being uh, English, French, Berber, Greek, Portuguese, and Spanish. So. This creates an extra language for them. And what's the... That's in interesting. So you, you really use this yeah, merely demonstration tool you built yourselves mm. um, to make clear that the, the money that people send, sometimes even without thinking, while consuming very little energy, in yep. mostly in those neighborhoods, yep. um, that this money is still going away while it could actually loop back uh, exactly. with a certain investment into yep. their own uh, neighborhood. Ruben? When I listen to this story, and uh, when I listen, for example, to the example of Dirjan Strom, I, I sometimes get a bit scared. Yes. In the sense that, for me, the moments occur where, let's say, the, the social opportunities in the neighborhood start to conflict with the goals of the system. Uh, just to give you an example, if you have Burzan Strom, you start discussing with people about electricity. You start, it's mm. good, you engage them, you let them think about uh, uh, electricity. Mm. Um, but then uh, they start investing in PV, they start investing in battery. But then if you and in batteries, yeah, in yes. solar yeah. panels and in batteries. Oh, I will try to make it. Yeah. Uh, um, but then if you look from a climate perspective, if they see how much money they spent on something and what kind of solution they bought, it's not really the optimal way. If you look at a house, you could uh, I always say a house has three chimneys. Uh, as the real chimney 
for heating the house, has a chimney on the driveway for driving people around, and has a chimney of the gas plant that um, is a little bit further away. That is creating the electricity. And at the end, these houses, the chimney for heating the house, the people living in the house are the only persons able to solve the emissions coming through the chimney of the house because they have to change their boiler. The chimney on the driveway, the people living in the house are the only people able to change those emissions because they are owning the car and they'll have to replace one day their car. Well, for the chimney far away in the plant, you have many alternatives. Um, so when then sometimes I see renovations where it's still an old uninsulated house with, with draft, people getting sick, but they have solar panels on the roof, then I'm getting a bit scared that we really bring people the wrong message. And it's often sometimes policy induced because policy has targets and mm. targets, uh, there are, there's a solar target. And, and subsidy schemes. And subsidy schemes, so we tell the people, ah, PV is profitable and we have a mm. target, so peeps install PV, mm. um, which is nice. I mean, it, it's a small droplet in the bucket, but it doesn't bring the big change. And of course, it's the, the conflict of uh, the best is the enemy of the good. Uh, it's good that they do something. But for me, the problem of the housing stock is that a housing stock is replaced once every 30 years. An installation in a building is replaced once every 10, 15 years. That means if you have to renovate everything in 2050, for, the for every house, there are only two moments to intervene maximum, and usually only one. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like if you intervene in a house, you should really go all the way or maybe preferably do nothing because you might create some kind of lock-in mm -hmm. that you say I, mm. that people sometimes think I did a good thing, I created my solution, I did my deed, my story is finished, mm. while actually they did maybe a quarter of what was necessary. Yeah, it's clear, clear problem definition, eh? so we can move on one level, you could say, it's a, a mono, uh, a one technical solution replaced by another one, well, actually, a more integrative uh, approach is where we have to, where we have to go. I'd, I'd like actually to, because I think this brings us literally to the exploration uh, for a local energy action plan that, that you've been doing. As an architect urbanist, trying to see how you can yeah, look at the urban development of the city, but also connecting this to the social needs and aspirations and to this, uh, to this technical uh, solutions. Can you maybe explain a little bit yeah. what you've been exploring? Um, right. Bring yes, us to Rotterdam. Sure. In the in the in the commission form from the IABR, the International Architecture Biennial, we started in this Bosporal der Tusendijk neighborhood, which is around 14,000 people. Mm -hmm. It's uh, one of the poorest neighborhoods in Netherlands, uh, so that's basically the starting. But it's also one of the mo most active. So it has a lot of cultural activities, a lot of um, institutions, um, a lot of. Um, um initiatives that happen. So that's what we say is the actors which have already coalitions and which we could, let's say, help to mm -hmm. make uh, coalitions regarding the energy network. And we have, uh, we had a study done, so that was a study done by um, the anthropologists, and we had a study done on a more technical uh, part uh, before we started um, that is uh, related to what are the possibilities. Simply a potentiality from, uh, from mapping, yeah, you could say. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
And so the question is, how do we bring these two things together? Um, because, of course, what is also really interesting, what um, I started to mention before, is the, the culture. Like, we have to change our culture, our behavior. That's mm. really the bottom line. Like, we've been actually using fire daily since 200,000 years. And um, to actually start to not use it, uh, all energy eventually comes from the sun. Also, the energy in oil comes from the sun. Mm -hmm. um, it's been produced over millions of years and now we use everything super quickly so that to change this behavior is not nothing it's like so ingrained in us and so we we looked at how can we do that where does it become visible and that's where i think it starts to be interesting for architects so how do we combine the personal scale with the global scale what is the individual impact on the global scale and mm -hmm. vice versa and the scale where this all plays out is the neighborhood. So that's basically where we, where we start to, to act. And so we worked on uh, developing uh, three sets of tools that interact with each other. So one to mitigate climate change, so that's the energy tools. One to adapt to climate change, that's already happening. And then governance tools to actually bring it into action, to mm. bring it together. So if we have, uh, th these are uh, all panels that are shown in the, um, in the Biennale in Rotterdam that is opening again the doors next week on Wednesday. Um, so this is a little bit small, so I made here a zoom just of the governance tools. Um, one aspect actually of the, the governance tools, so where we can see how, uh, what kind of different groups can form related to what type of investment, to what type of energy coalition in the neighborhood and what are the possible roles that stakeholders can play and what are financial possibilities uh, that we have how can people how can investments be done and uh, so we see here in the middle for instance the esco the energy uh, corporation which we can uh, talk about later um, and we see different possibilities that can be done with these groups. The project group is very, let's say, uh, light. Uh, it doesn't demand much uh, to start. So we can start like opening the, the pavement and mm -hmm. planting some trees. Um, we can even start discussing things like insulation, which we need an investment for. So we need to have um, an, an ESCO, for instance. So you really look at an incremental uh, yeah. approach, you could yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can see one. You can also say you can also have a neighborhood where people say, "I don't want to be involved. I want a BV to do that for me." That's also possible. Um, but still, the, you deal with the energy locally. So that's like the bottom line. Always, uh, you mm. deal with it in a in a local way. What I'm, what I'm curious yeah. with is, is um, you were asked to explore what the district level and uh, the, the yeah. neighborhood scale yeah. would be able to, yeah, let's say, unleash as a potential. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I think we're discussing, mm -hmm. uh, you, you, mm -hmm. you said the sharing gym. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's about, uh, we saw an example in Ghent where it's an individual house and, mm -hmm. and an improvement, um, but not actually an improvement, a renovation of the whole house, as you mentioned, uh, Ruben. So sharing is, is an advantage, but the district level, is that also an interesting scale? Yep. Can you say it, it's proven through the exploration yeah. you did that yeah. this district scale starts yep. to work and yep. how? Because on the district scale, we can set a, a performance goal. We can actually calculate and say we can save 60% of carbon emissions on the neighborhood scale, just of the domestic, of the domestic energy consumption. Mm -hmm. We can save 60%, so that's quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So we only have to, um, so we can also produce like around between 40 and 50% of energy locally, locally, if we also have adequate saving measures. So 
together that uh, also we can achieve 100% gas-free. Uh but, but we could also calculate that at the scale of a city. So wh why is the district then more reasonable or more logical for you? Um, because on the district you see the impacts directly. You could even think that's when uh, policies become interesting. Uh, because you could even see, um, um, uh, could some part of the tax, for instance, be localized? Because it's always, when you want to engage people, you need to build up trust. And how do you build up trust? By actually showing something that you promised, yep. you're actually doing it um, in, in, a, in a relatively short period. And so people can see these benefits. And mm -hmm. if we can go some slides back, maybe, yeah, so... Here, that is, we developed four cases where mm -hmm. we actually said this is um, inhabitants between, let's say, 200 and 500 inhabitants for one of uh, such a case. If we go one slide back, we see the uh, back, yeah, we see this entire housing block. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, uh, forward. So here we looked at uh, aquifer uh, thermal energy storage, we looked at aquatermy. Um, we looked at uh, changing um, um, the managing the sort of yellow bit you see in the in the in the center of the image is the energy hub mm -hmm. where this gets managed uh, lo locally where we also have the energy from the PV cells gets sort of centralized there for this housing block and with that setup just for the energy alone we can actually have a business case that where we can say we save 10 percent mm -hmm. on on a 30 year Basis. And we even went to a bank and said, could you fund this? And they said, if we have the Gemeente, the municipality, being the guarantor for this uh, setup, then yes, we would actually finance this. So, so in that sense, the you're, you're looking at the district level, yeah. but within the district level, you're actually, that's probably what the local energy action plan, you're, you're set stepping, uh, stepping stones or let's say yeah. portion by portion, you're transforming the district. Is that the case? Yeah, so that, that, that is the idea that you start somewhere with uh, specific cases. You can show results. And what we see here also, we see the climate adaptation tools, which are integrated in that, mm -hmm. which actually make the neighborhood um, much more interesting, much more beautiful. And our experience was when people saw that in the exhibition, they actually came back. So that was somehow the benefit of the Corona situation mm -hmm. where the exhibition became extremely local. And they said this would be even nice to do if we wouldn't have climate change. So it's so... Uh, so it's it no longer an answer to a question we have, but actually a, a, ch a yeah. jumping quality for, for our living environment. Yeah. And, and in I think you're also clarifying that at the district scale, probably some of the things that Eve brought in, so the health question, yeah. the social question, yeah. is also more easily connected. And so yeah, it, if be we go it to becomes the tangible. Next, uh, slide. So that is where we then um, analyze the, the benefits, uh, the, the quantitative quantitative benefits I already talked about. We see, we see also that we have the natural resources which are actually dropping on the neighborhood for free. We just have to find a way to use mm -hmm. them locally mm -hmm. and that's where also the idea of commons comes in. It is actually from the neighborhood and if we manage a way to keep it, for instance with Akatemi or with the mm -hmm. thermal storage in the aquifer, in the neighborhood, um, then we can also get all these qualitative benefits which have to do with health, uh, with jobs, uh, job creation, with actually um, through these project groups uh, that's proven, uh, people discussing together, they get uh, social skills which help them to get out of unemployment, for instance. Mm -hmm. 
um, and um, we, we can we can involve schools, mm -hmm. etc. So it so becomes so a whole if bunch if of. So if uh, I try to understand what you're saying, you're saying uh, in reaction also to what Ruben said. So the the quick. Mm solution which is a technical addition to the existing fabric without much changes in the building stock or in the public space um, is a quick one but not a deep one but you're actually saying the longer much more difficult process is actually also building social skills socioeconomic benefits health benefits and so if you go quick you can't reach those types of goals i think this is a really important insight because that means yeah. we're trying to structure everything mostly in yeah. terms of quick technical solutions for big problems, mm -hmm. but you're saying that the pace of building in of incremental development mm -hmm. is slower. That's what you also said. Follow the pace of the citizens and not of the technology. You wanted to react? Well, yeah, um, partly to also what uh, Ruben brought, brought up, because um, I totally agree with you. The, the, um, the engineer in me sees things that make no sense. Uh, but then I also experience myself in the different neighborhoods I was allowed to work and then that's confirmed by studies about uh, Spangen which is close to the areas you worked in in Rotterdam mm -hmm. that people are increasingly disengaging by, uh, from uh, public intervention in general so if, if it's coming from the public from from the government we probably don't mm -hmm. want it mm -hmm. so we have to overcome that step as well mm -hmm. and that is becoming increasing part of what we try to uh, try to achieve so I, I agree in a sense but um, Probably what we're doing is more the preparatory work than actually the real and deep. The, the, the real and deep work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to pick up something else that that is mentioned, and it is actually uh, so. You say the district level. I'm also curious to hear from you, from you, Ruben, and and Eve, if if this is also a scale you think or you you believe in, you could say, for the energy transition, but also for the other. Uh, uh, transitions we try to connect uh, to this but how do you organize at a district scale because you have an, a, a city authority mm -hmm. you mostly have people working in the neighborhood for mm -hmm. social affairs uh, mm -hmm. or soci social challenges mm -hmm. how, how can you organize something at a district scale eh? so mm -hmm. there's in Brussels we have neighborhood contracts mm -hmm. well, but there's all kinds of things active in the neighborhood how, how can you or did you find a way to bring it together in an organizational system yeah i guess uh that is something we we starting right now we sort of slowly coming out of this phase where we only met on zoom where it's <laughs> very difficult to organize something to build the community a yeah to build a well the community is there basically we don't yes. uh, build it uh, we, we we just um can engage with them and actually also learn from them mm. how they would pick mm -hmm. up some things and how would they solve certain things and we know they are interested so we we know there's a mutual interest yes. there to uh, start certain parts and uh, of course yeah who, who yeah the the question of a director or or who is basically yeah, the choreographer yeah the choreographer who is keeping the whole thing together because I think it is quite important uh, to think also about uh, uh, something like a dashboard to display progress uh, in, in the neighborhood to so that you really have the feeling you work together towards something. Mm -hmm. um, at, at the moment with the energy transition, people read in the news, you know, millions, hundred millions were spent on this or on that and we don't see any result. Mm -hmm. Now that's very discouraging. Mm -hmm. Or you read, it's not possible. And then you read, how can it be? It's not possible. It must be possible. So um, basically, we have to get away from this rather sort of discouraging mm -hmm. uh, news to build up a hope that you can participate in a step-by-step, -step which leads to the big thing. I think that's the, 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 the thing we need to... Yeah. 
So we, break, break we, it we down to, to feasible steps. Yeah, we yeah. need to be competitive with the big yeah. providers. But can you maybe explain uh, also, yeah. because in the neighborhood, it's one of the pilot neighborhoods in the city of Rotterdam, mm -hmm. where there was also a plan to build a heat network. H how, uh, and is. there's a lot of an energy around mm -hmm. uh, this, mm -hmm. energy in another way, mm -hmm. uh, policy energy, uh, mm -hmm. business, business case development. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How did, was it possible to organize a new type of conversation between policymakers, the energy, the service companies, uh, we are looking into that now in the next uh, say edition of, of the Biennale and beyond mm -hmm. that. Uh, I think so far in the last year it was possible with certain parties, mm -hmm. but not altogether. Mm -hmm. yeah. Good, so uh, an, an in interesting mm -hmm. ambition ahead of you. Um, Ruben, dashboard was mentioned, but I'm also very curious, I think you're also partly developing this type of community dashboards to visualize, yeah, to make it tangible, uh, this, this progress. Can you maybe explain why this is important and maybe also why this district scale, according to you, from a more yeah, technical point of view, also makes sense uh, or whether you doubt about this district scale? Well, to maybe, I mean, about the question of districts versus cities mm -hmm. versus, um, to make a link to, an, to the ESCO. Um, so the reason why a bigger scale works for an ESCO which ESCO for me is like third party. Maybe there can you explain? A, yeah, for me, it, an ESCO is like there is a third party investor or there is an organization mm -hmm. that comes with money mm -hmm. that takes, let's say, the technical work and the financial work out of your hands. Um, and normally you should pay this back through the energy bill that uh, they promise a lower energy bill and the gap in between, mm -hmm. you pay them to the, to the developers. Um, what plays a role here in the ESCO is what they technically call a portfolio effect. Mm -hmm. uh, one house you cannot predict because it can, you can be completely off, but if you have 10 houses, the chances that all 10 predictions are wrong mm -hmm. is very low. You will probably have um, two predictions too low, two predictions too high, mm -hmm. which means you can start financing it. Mm -hmm. And this is what happens in a, in a district scale in the sense that um, the bank will say, ah, for district scale, 50 houses, 30 houses, we were willing to finance it, but there is a next step. They say, at the end, it's still for a bank, a very small project with a high risk. So they will ask an insurer because it's a still a, a small project. If you then have a professional ESCO that has 10 districts or 20 districts, you will even find a private insurer that says, okay, this is big enough. We will, we, or the bank is even doesn't um, ask for insurance. In that logic, you could say the entire town is the best, the bigger, the better. Um, but the bigger, the better is becomes a, a risk. There is a but in the sense that the bigger it is, the lower the commitment of the people to mm. participate in it or to still think that there should be, they should take care of their energy bill. And the easier it is for these people to play the system because they think okay, there is an ESCO works with a kind of bonus malus system. And they say, okay, at the end, if I use too much energy than predicted, the rest will finance it. I mean, the rest, there will be somebody else with a lower demand and they cover my, my difference. And so at district level, and if the financing is also, let's say, it's kept local, and if there is profit mm -hmm. that it goes back to the district, you have the commitment of people to really participate in the goal of somebody came and helped us in financing it, um, it deburdened us with a technical solution. And afterwards, it even might come with some extra profit because there might be money left. Because usually these ESCO contracts are very flexible in, mm -hmm. in bringing money back to the Interesting. Local. So also ne nearly from a, from, a, from a commitment point of view, uh, the commitment is actually crucial also from the kind of financing uh, logic and the responsibility that people take 
for something that actually is about themselves, where their system is not outside of them, but they are, uh, to a certain extent, uh, the system. I think this is an interesting moment to maybe watch a second um, uh, movie, a uh, second portrait that was made of somebody that actually picks up a lot of what you are actually bringing in. Um, Kuhn Schors, economist uh, from Ghent University, but also uh, in part, I think in his free time especially, um, one of the board members of Energent, this local um, energy um, uh, activ uh, organization. Sorry. Kuhn, the word is up to you. Het financieren van de energietransitie is inderdaad een probleem. Uh, het is niet zozeer een probleem voor de projecten die duidelijk rendabel zijn. Die financieren zichzelf. Maar het zijn heel veel projecten die wel rendabel zijn wat betreft milieuimpact, maar niet voor de mensen zelf altijd onmiddellijk. Soms is het probleem ook dat mensen geen toegang tot krediet hebben. Dus een van de dingen waar ik enorm voorstander ben, is een soort rollend fonds. Een rollend fonds waar dingen worden voorgefinancierd. En wat is het idee? Het idee is dat je gaat buurtgericht werken. Wijk per wijk, buurt per buurt, ga je langs bij mensen, je doet een audit en je maakt dan een voorstel. Je zegt, ik zou in jouw huis zou kunnen uh, dit isoleren, zonnepanelen leggen, ik zou kunnen je verlichting veranderen enzovoort. Je maakt een voorstel, mensen zeggen ja of nee. En dan, wat ga je doen? Je gaat het voorfinancieren. Je hoeft niks te betalen of een stukje maar te betalen. En dan later ga je terugbetalen door de daling in energieverbruik. Waarvan die mensen gaan genieten door de isolatie, door de ledverlichting, door de zonnecellen door die daling uh, te laten betalen door de nutsbedrijven. Dus wat ga je doen? Je gaat de nutsbedrijven erin halen en je gaat zeggen van oké, okay, uh, zij gaan de rekening blijven doorsturen naar die mensen zoals ze was en het verschil gaat naar de terugbetaling van de lening. En zo'n fonds zou kunnen gefinancierd worden zelf door ons spaargeld. Er liggen honderden miljarden spaargeld te klotsen, te schimmelen eigenlijk in de banken. Als je die zou samenbrengen in zo'n rollend fonds, eventueel met een fiscaal voordeel, zou je wijk per wijk kunnen voorfinancieren, aanpakken en dan wordt ze terugbetaald doorheen het gebruik. En dat is een manier die ook mensen die soms niet de middelen hebben om te doen en die ook niet de competentie of de hoesting hebben om daar naar te kijken en de papieren te vullen en uit te rekenen. Dus het hele ontzorgen wordt ook in één keer meegenomen in zo'n rollend fonds. Dus dat zou mijn benadering zijn. De voordelen van buurt per buurt werken zijn heel duidelijk. Voordeel 1 is je keer draagkracht. Denk aan de hele discussie met de zonnecellen waarbij arme mensen rijke mensen financieren. Omdat we de elektriciteitsfactuur verhogen om die zonnecellen te betalen. Dat werkt niet. Mensen zijn daar niet gelukkig mee. Dus dat kan je niet gaan doen. Een tweede voordeel is dat je zegt van oké, okay, we gaan dingen goedkoper maken. Voor een bedrijf, als ze in een straat op zeven plaatsen zonnestaal legt en op tien plaatsen isolatie doet, is dus uiteindelijk veel goedkoper. Je kan een groepsaankoop doen, je kan één keer met je werfwagen komen en een aantal dingen, voorraden daar leggen. Je kan huis per huis aanpakken. Dus je spaart enorm veel coördinatie en transportkosten en je kan het veel, veel goedkoper doen. Je hebt bovendien effecten van mensen die elkaar beïnvloeden in een wijk. Je ziet bij je buur en je buur zegt, dat is een goed idee, moet dan dat duidt voor je, je moet eigenlijk niet veel doen en dat is gemakkelijk en het is eigenlijk redelijk goedkoop. Dus je krijgt een soort systeem dat voortrolt in je wijk, waar mensen elkaar uh, verder helpen. En het voordeel voor de overheid is, zij hebben milieudoelstellingen die zij sowieso moeten halen. En om die te halen moeten zij heel veel geld betalen. Wat je hier krijgt is dat burgers zelf met hun eigen spaargeld, samengebracht in een rollend fonds, investeringen doen. Waardoor dat de overheid zijn doelstellingen haalt. En zo krijg je veel meer milieuimpact en veel meer draagvlak. Want mensen gaan begrijpen: ah, duurzaamheid dat is niet alleen voor rijke mensen, dat is ook voor mij. Ik kan er ook van genieten en ik heb er financiële return van zonder dat ik al te veel moet investeren. 
doen. A clear call uh, at the end, just uh, <laughs> let's do it. And that's also a little bit of my, uh, my unease that I'm getting at this table. Um, too much of agreement, you could say. Eh? So the things add up. Um, so there must also be a reason or reasons why things are maybe not working as quick as possible as we, uh, as we would, let's say, see, see it possible once I add up every all your knowledge. The question is, wha why isn't it happening? Maybe, Eve, ca can you maybe enlighten us wha where you see uh, crucial components that actually block, uh, block this? And I, I'm curious to hear from all of you, because what do we need to change? Or do we tell the story in a wrong way? Mm -hmm. uh, but why aren't we doing it in this way if we see that all the advantages are there? Um, well, I, I think because in, in Kuhn's exposition, the advantages are still theoretical. Mm -hmm. They're still not landed uh, in the neighborhood. It's, 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 it's an interesting thought. We already covered some things where it bumps, uh, bumps up against. It's like the, the savings on the bill have to be high yeah. enough. Uh, yeah. You need to get the scale, like Ruben was saying. Um, uh, but there's also um, the fact that it's still a bit um, locked up within um, an energy um, specific energy approach uh, and and so, so the challenge is how to open that up because people live a dream for the place where they live they don't live an energy dream um, we often say that uh, climate is the biggest co-benefit of livability for example so it's not that the driver is not in climate it's like the, your project really illustrated very well it's it's livability that that's the driver it makes a connection mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a way to connect the impact of what you're doing close to what you're experiencing um, and um, so it's it's about looking um, we once were thinking about the idea of unburdening people's dreams about their houses to take that as an entrance and to say, what is your dream about your house? How would you want your life to be within 10 years? And it's, a, it's about what your children will do, what your neighborhood will look like, what, what mm -hmm. your neighbors will be. And then try to look whether um, th there is some alignment with what you want to do mm -hmm. on, on energy. And when that dream aligns with... Uh, the plans you can have on energy, you probably will will get a lot of traction. Mm -hmm. um, but that way of thinking also opens, for me, interesting paths. Like uh, it, there's uh, sharing mobility for at, at this moment is a hot topic in cities. Mm -hmm. A lot of cities want to make space again uh, to live. So that means that we are looking for models for people to to um, uh, to sell their cars and to open up space, so where the community can say, well, if, if you sell your car and we replace eight cars by a sharing car, if you do that, the rest of the space is yours uh, to do, mm -hmm. to make a playground for kids and kids of that. But the selling of those cars is an enormous amount of money. As soon as you sell your car, um, all the costs of uh, insurance, of your petrol and all that, you can save them as well. You only mm -hmm. need to get your sharing. So that means that um, by investing in sharing mobility and improving the livability of your neighborhood, you can just uh, collect a starting budget to start the rolling fund because then you could start mm -hmm. financing your energy renovation by, uh, by entering into sharing mobility. And those are the kind of entrances that, that go very close to people's environments. Uh, and where you make the connection with what, what they need to mm -hmm. do in the energy transition, where in the energy transi transition, uh, the connection to the benefits 
uh, which is it's kind abstract. of global and abstract, is not there. Um, so, so very soon, and I, th I think I, I was um, very glad that you touched on the uh, on the aspect of trust because you're. Um, I think you see that at this point also, there, there, the, 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 you, you have to build trust to to make the uh, energy transition successful. I don't think that you necessarily have to stay on small scale for that. Um, I, I don't believe that. I, I just think that. Um, um, when Ruben says that the, the problem is that where people start to produce themselves, it's just there in the system where you could start making changes at, at a larger scale on mm -hmm. the system. Um, so, so that's that's a kind of a paradox where you yes, say, well, there's neither there's an engagement with with the energy transition, but it's just at the long uh, the wrong chimney of the three ones you got in your house. Um, but I think that's a, the the point is that we're not learning the lessons. Um, from what we see happening there is that you have to connect and build trust and, and look at collectivity. But that's and also a piece, a, a type of work we're not investing in. So, so we, no. we build the financial technical models in which people could step in, but we're not doing the work on the ground, you could say, to see, to listen and see how people could step in, both for maybe mobility maybe or, or maybe are we? Yeah. Maybe it could work the other way around. Mm -hmm. And uh, a thing we're testing in the MIDI neighborhood is called uh, Jex in French, it's a Groupe d'Epargne Collective et Solidaire. It's from the idea that um, just random families put money together and if one person needs it, he, he can use it and mm -hmm. then they start saving again. It's, uh, uh, it, it's well known in development, but it's rarely used in inner city European uh, neighborhoods. But we're, it's been used in our neighborhood for buying houses. Mm -hmm. So now we're trying the same thing for buying solar panels, which um, works because we are in a sense, undercutting a system of third investors, where residents see, okay, people put solar panels on our roofs, often those are people from the richest part of Brussels who get a dividend for investing in my house. That's not how it should mm -hmm. go. I prefer to invest in my community, and I become sort of a member where I pay 50 euros a month. That's, I think, the level now. And over X amount of time, we have solar panels. We start with his house, we save again. And, but there's the technical thing, solar panels are being mm -hmm, laid. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also the second thing, there's an enormous trust created and, and, and a, a shared, a shared destiny, shared ownership. And I think that's addressing on the ground what mm -hmm. Eve is talking about. Maybe to add, Eva? if we look on the big scale, what's like, let's say, how do we do it since uh, decades? It's like we be dealing with the concessions and the concessions are given till mm -hmm. whatever, 2045 at the same time. The, the Paris Climate Agreement runs till 2050, so that's very comfortable mm -hmm. because uh, maybe we'll be dead by then. Mm -hmm. But basically, now there's other politicians like uh, Jacinta Ardern in New Zealand who mm -hmm. says, look, I'm going to do it in my next legislative uh, period. And actually, I'm committed to it. That means my head is on the line. Um, and I think that's uh, this commitment mm -hmm. that, that is needed mm -hmm. to solve it within an overseeable immediate period. So by actually shifting this horizon too far, it, it's too like comfortable. We, yeah. we do little bits um, here and there. And we, like, we need to work like, from both ends. I think what, what Jim is doing is like, super valuable. And yeah. it was interesting when the, when the municipality came, they said, yeah, you, you don't destroy any houses, so you keep the social capacity. Mm -hmm. And so that's very valuable to keep mm -hmm. the social capacity. But on the other side, we have to do something too. So you're saying bo both trust, uh, local trust, but mm -hmm. also build a connection between this local trust and these dynamics starting up mm -hmm. and a system 
where there's also a clear S deadline and a clear, yeah. clear uh, head and that's on. Where Ruben? Me, there is a big elephant in the room in the sense that... That's what I was looking for. <laughs> in the sense that you can keep on discussing about investments and you can put whatever fancy structure you want. If the financial rules of the bigger system are not mm -hmm. aligned with the long-term goal, it doesn't yeah. work. I mean, today mm -hmm. in Belgium, the Netherlands is a bit better organized, but today in Belgium, fossil energy is six times cheaper than clean electricity. And it's a policy choice. It's, it's a policy choice to have um, gas, uh, gas oil cheap because it's a social issue. It's heating and we don't want to make heating expensive. But that means that if you make gas cheap, that you can put whatever insulation you want, there is almost no financial gain to be gained. Mm -hmm. um, so as long as this, this financial rule, uh, let's say energy bills are structured the way they are structured now, and there is not, for example, some, it's not based on a CO2 thing, a CO2 tax or whatever, um, you, can, you can try to make whatever business model you want. It will not work because there will be no gains it's on the It's the same for, for the Netherlands, like, Corporates and businesses pay a fraction, a tiny fraction, for the electricity mm -hmm. bill. Like there is no incentive whatsoever to put solar panels mm -hmm. on those. So we're actually uh, confronted with the same question as we see with water uh, and with food. In fact, that uh, that the, 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 that type of production, uh, also in terms of energy, that we need in the future, is the business case of this is measured against the business case that we want to get rid of, and then we say that things are cheaper and not sufficiently incentivizing. Uh, in light of what we want to want to get, but the but damage we don't uh, we don't calculate the damage into the equation. Uh, that's what the CO2 tax obviously would do. Would do clear, but we are here uh, <laughs> not around the political <laughs> table. We are in Brussels, but yeah. we're not uh, in the uptown um, uh, European headquarters uh, where we might mm. discuss uh, <laughs> proposals that Joe Biden uh, flies around uh, in on this level. What can we do at the scale of these, of these neighborhoods? And, and does it work to, let's say, the experience that we bring around this table now, with, imagine Kuhn would be around the table. If you work in the neighborhood, um, you have this local work, you could say, building on the aspirations and dreams, you said, of people. At a certain moment, you can, you can, we can have a broad debate about which type of financial model we need. Is there one? Is there only the co-ownership, the, the kind of shared local investment logic, or can you combine it with maybe uh, uh, other development uh, models? But but still, I'm very curious. Wh why is wh why is it not happening? Eh? I'm also you mentioned at a certain moment the bigger system, the, the energy providers. Eh? You're I think you're also working with developers, Ruben, with uh, energy providers, with energy policy. Can you say, you, you named now the financial, uh, the business case problem. Are there other levers that we really need to, to activate in order to move further? But just to give a random example, when you talk about districts, there is not a single policy focused on the level of a district. Uh, the entire legislation in Belgium is focused on individual ownership of a house and a land. The entire regulation when it comes to electricity is, for example, about, is about rules that you're not allowed to put a cable from one plot of land to another plot of land. It has to go through the public grid and through the public, um, the public utility grid. Um, in a sense, you could say... Elephant um, number two, you say. It could be an elephant. Um, it's a small elephant. Yeah. Um, but you could say that if you start working on, um, on a district level, and, and you start approaching it on a district scale, and also, again, in the Netherlands, there is... Um, there is often a less direct link between ground ownership and the house ownership. Mm -hmm. In Belgium, this is less of a thing. Mm -hmm. But imagine that in a district or a building block, 
suddenly the, the ground is no longer individually arranged, suddenly you trick the system because it's one plot of land mm -hmm. and you suddenly can put whatever cable you want and you can suddenly try to reorganize electricity. And start sharing, uh, collectively organizing yourselves regardless of a broader system, the centralized system. Yeah, regardless, system. almost regardless of the rules. And okay, in the sense that it's still technically not optimal, but suddenly you trick the system and at least you push regulators and you push government to say, look, if this is how you make the rules, we trick the rules and we use them to our advantage. And now it's up to you to come up mm -hmm. with better rules that we can, that we that are more generic instead of focusing on on, on very simplified. And and, wha and why? Because we're it's energy transition is not a topic that we're discussing about since two years in the Netherlands. The earthquakes in Groningen uh, uh, organized a huge acceleration uh, in policy uh, in terms of energy, but we're still discussing it for several decades. So w this observation you make now, a, a very crucial condition to actually start building local energy communities about which we already are asked as countries in Europe to transfer European policy to national policy. How come we are not yet there? What are the interests we are hitting? Uh, well, it's quite simple. The electricity bill today is used as a way to, to gain taxes. And actually it's a connection, it's a connection between the house and the grid that is used as a thing to tax. So what they, what they, the, the alternative that the government put next to it is that there is something in the regulation called a direct line, which is indeed a, a connection between two plots where the, the mm -hmm. public grid is not involved. And the solution government says is, ah, in that case, it's allowed as long as we also can tax that cable, which is a very weird way. I mean, it's, 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 it's a very weird way from a government perspective looking at, at an okay. energy transition as a source of income instead of a source of so there we have a huge, uh, let's say, <laughs> block, blockage uh, uh, towards the transition. Eh? I was going to ask you, what should we do to start testing this further? Because we, we are adding knowledge, eh? we, we, we have financial techniques, we have local uh, communities, we see that cities are experimenting with organizing themselves at district level. Um, but this, how would you move around this? Because can we, should we test further? Um, can we... Can we learn from all the tests and, and make a next step? Uh, I, th I, th I think that the, the one of the points is that the, the, the reflection on, on, on what is happening now is um, the, where, where you see the tension between what what the social drivers is, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the um, people disconnecting because of a lack of trust in the government, and mm -hmm. so they are dealing with their own energy production. They try to become independent. And then there's a technical analysis that says, well, this is not, it's, it's not a good choice mm -hmm. from the system's perspective. And those two perspectives are not finding each other. Mm -hmm. But that's something that um, you have time to solve. I, th I think in the meantime, we have to get away from the fact that what is happening in neighborhoods with solar panels and everything that people do, that that's something wrong. Because for me, it's just infrastructure. All the panels that are laid there, we can do different things with them. Whether we reconnect them to the, to the central net or not, that's something that we can still decide. We just know that we will need to build trust between the people with the solar panels and, and how they are connected with that mm -hmm. net and whether the profits that are made through the net are shared with them or not, because that will be a basis for the trust. Um, but we can accelerate, I think, with all the things that are happening on, on uh, self-production of, um, of citizens and, and neighborhood districts. The other thing that I think we can, uh, we can do is um, to, to explore um, from a technological point 
Um, first, the design of the kind of technology that we make, because if, if you look at solar panels, um, you know in advance that solar panels are only uh, can only be put on a house that's your property. Mm -hmm. So all the all the people who rent houses um, are excluded problems, from yeah. the technology. So when we when when we devise or develop technology, we have to see what we already have to think about what the social impact will be, um, and whether it can um, have access to all the citizens, and not only the one who, who possess mm -hmm. a house. Um, and the second one is, which always strikes me, is the. Uh, the level of, of uh, uh, district-level uh, technologies, the larger-scale technologies, because we, we've become enclosed when it's, when it's about, certainly about climate. Um, if you look at all the policies, I think because it's just easiest, uh, we just attach norms to physical objects. That's how we deal with climate policy. We, we give, Can you give an example? We give an EPC score to a house. Whether there's 24 people in the house or not, the EPC score uh, stays the same. Yeah. We give a Euronorm 6 to a car. Whether there's four or five people in the car or not, we don't care. So it's not about practices. Mm -hmm. So it, we, we, we act as if the object will transform in sustainability if we just put the norm right. <laughs> uh, and, and so we don't see the relation between uh, the, the, the object and the... Uh, and, and, I, and, and so we're enclosed in this kind of individual economic relation when it comes to climate policy. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's at the household level or individual level, and it's, in, it's an economic. It's mm -hmm. paying or being taxed, mm -hmm. or that's the way we deal with it. And we buy devices at, at that exact level. Mm -hmm. uh, while what I hear from the technical people, but Ruben will uh, correct me if that's right, uh, that there are more industrial uh, size uh, versions of those technologies which you could build in at a district level, which are much cheaper at that, at that collective level mm -hmm. if you buy them all together. Uh, but there's no, like you said, at district level, there's, there's no policy. So there's also no unlocking of energy technologies potential. At, yeah. uh, at a potential. Just to give a random example when it comes to building uh, legislation, an apartment block in EPB doesn't exist. It's a set of different apartments and every individual apartment has its label and it really results mm -hmm. in the fact that if there is one apartment in the corner that needs a bit more, they will put five solar panels on the big apartment block just for this one tiny corner of it, which is, it doesn't yeah. make sense. As an architect, so we, you, yeah. you don't look at an, of, at an apartment building like this. Like, uh, like uh, several units uh, that are private, yeah. 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 But it's a way of thinking, but you can unlock it by looking at the collective level more. Yeah. And that's something that we can do without changing any policy or something. I'd like to, I'd like to bring in maybe a last, uh, last element, which is, if we, if we see what you've been involved in, um, and I think you, from 3E, you're building a dashboard that can be used at a community level. Uh, you in several, uh, let's say, transitions, you've been involved at this district level. La Pile is an engagement at a district level. Botu is a, is a district level. But of course, we have a huge transition ahead of us. And if we look at all of these um, three, then um, if we maybe can uh, share the screen uh, again, if you simply look at the territory uh, only of Flanders and Brussels, uh, that's the rough calculation we made, we arrive at more than 1,500 of these local initiatives that we would need. And I'm really wondering, because I also see, uh, the, so the next big thing will be a lot of small things, is, is a beautiful quote of uh, artist Thomas Lomé to explain that yeah, we, we have to really dive deep into the neighborhoods to, to build the trust and with the people to enroll them in a new energy system, but also a new community uh, logic, but how do we organize for this? Because this seems also something where the yeah, big policy making 
policy making at national levels, at regional levels, to structure an environment where we can, uh, yeah, where Jim can do 300 neighborhoods. And uh, if I'm joking now, but how do we structure <laughs> this? Do we have examples for this? Um, or is this also really a difficulty? So it's, it's human labor, you say, and you have to go door to door, you have to enroll people. But that's a type of work that we, that you say, unleashes a lot of potential and benefits. But how do we structure this? Do you have ideas for this? Because I think that's maybe also a level where we can help. Uh, yeah. That's maybe an interesting uh, analogy because before we worked on electricity, we worked on water. Mm -hmm. and there's a very interesting uh, group in Brussels who was doing a very long-term work on that. And they came up with the idea of uh, a solidarity of the uh, bassin versant, mm -hmm. so the, the, the valleys. Yeah, the valleys. Yeah. Because they said what people don't realize is that in Brussels some live on the top of the, of the valley, some live below, and the, the below ones get flooded. So we create a solidarity within that mm -hmm. that uh, cuve, that uh, small valley, um, and we followed them in that quite a long time when we did water work. And then we uh, went on to work with electricity, and then um, people explained us the notion of a, a medium voltage cabin, which connects uh, in the areas we work in between 150 and 200 uh, uh, residents. Mm -hmm. We did an, an exercise to see if that is maybe the scale where people take real ownership mm -hmm. and say, this, uh, I'm connected to this and this and this person, maybe we should take an initiative mm -hmm. and call it uh, solidarity among the, the low voltage cabin. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is I, I think you need a new imaginary where people can take ownership. And that's very interesting thing in the, the video of uh, Else we saw at the start. Yes. One, one very small remark she makes is, I was afraid my rent would go up. Yes. We hear that very often, that the fear of, of, mm -hmm. of people of the consequences is not dealt with because uh, people like us who, who say things like we have no choice don't take them seriously. Yeah. But they are serious even if they're not true and we can debunk them. Mm -hmm. We have to take them serious mm -hmm. and that's an important job. How would you think, uh, Eva, about this? Well, yeah. I, I do think we have to do everything on a neighborhood level, but we also have to go on the national level or even European level mm -hmm. where we can tap also into specific subsidies to really make projects happen mm -hmm. um, to, to get best case studies. I think we need more best case uh, uh, projects, mm -hmm. practices, and learn from those and exchange those. Um, mm -hmm. f furthermore, we, we, we would need more like the this um, citizen assembly that France tried, uh, produced some extremely good results. Mm -hmm. uh, only a fraction is going to be taken forward, but let's say the collective brain power of a cut of the society. 150 citizens, yeah. Um, really representative of what society is, produce surprising mm -hmm. results. For instance, if you want to make a new highway, you need to, uh, like you want to seal ground somewhere, you have to unseal it somewhere else, the same amount. So Very simple proposal. Simple, like, um, and things like this, because right now in the system still to um, use more energy is somehow incentivized, right? Like big um, energy companies want you to use more mm -hmm. uh, because that's the business model they run with. And I think that's what is fundamentally wrong in this. That's where the sort of, if you can use less and buy the um, money you pay less, you can pay mm -hmm. back. So that's already totally, yeah. the, the, the ultimate, the user the has the benefit. The yeah, and has, has to see benefit. it in his neighborhood. And so that's where you need the, uh, the ownership. The ownership, yeah. Uh, Eva, I'm curious because you're, you've been working uh, in different places, uh, Leefstraten and so on, so you've <laughs> seen this local engagement with these uh, types of questions. But ha have you also seen, let's say, models where also national regional policymakers can 
not fall from their chair when they see the 1,500, but say, I can find, a, I can establish an environment where local ownership can get its space, where it uh, can be connected to maybe health work, social work, or, or, or do don't you see these examples? Uh, are we there facing a, a question that we really need development uh, upon, to a breakthrough? Um, I've, I haven't seen ex I, d I, d I haven't seen examples at at the, at the scale of of that uh, challenge. Mm -hmm. um, I, s I see uh, initiatives evolving, like the the city of Sydney class recently took um, a consortium aboard um, that was about collaboration with impact, where the city says we have to uh, have people guide us to learn how we have to how we collaborate with citizens mm -hmm. on climate action to get to impact because mm -hmm. we, we need to learn that we don't know how to do it uh, and and um, and we have to find a way forward um, so the idea that I came up now when, when I was thinking about it was say that I would launch uh, the biggest trust um, and You're not talking about a financial trust? I I, I, in a way, I am talking about a financial trust uh, in a way that it would be the biggest uh, capacity-building program ever um, um, to uh, train people uh, to install trust in energy transition trajectories. Because I think that's a f the, the first work ne we need to do is to create capacity to guide these processes because we don't have them. I'm quite sure that if we would get to 1,500, we wouldn't find 1,500 coaches now to guide all these projects. Mm -hmm. So for me, with capacity build, because all the rest, technology is there, the money is there. It's like Kuhn says that we have savings. We have an enormous amount of savings in Flanders. So the money is there, technology is there, uh, the knowledge to create the policy frame mm -hmm. is there as well. Uh, I think we need um, capacity on building trust in cities. Interesting. Ruben, I see you uh, also brought us an interesting uh, object, a, a blue booklet. Can you maybe explain what this is uh, just before we As go to closure, the closing? Um, it's a booklet from Jean-Paul van Bendigen. It's a mathematician from the University of Brussels, and it's called Homo classificans, um, Homo as, as in Homo sapiens, um, but people classifying things. And actually, it's a, it's a, it's a pamphlet. It's, a, it's a for the week of philosophy. Um, but it's, I will read it back in English. Um, it says, uh, the, the perfect classification, is it a dream or a nightmare? A world without variation, paradise or dystopia? While in the meantime, we try to grasp the world um, which only works through imagination, um, to, to let the power to the imagination, and imagination likes to have the power. Um, and actually, it's a, it's, it's a rather funny book, um, but it's, it's, it talks about apparently the human needs to talk about definitions. Um, and it talks about, oh, we put the, the title on it, Positive Energy District, and you see in every research project that a quarter of the budget goes towards discussing what's a positive energy district. <laughs> um, you see about, uh, we talk about energy communities, and suddenly in European legislation, there are two different definitions of an energy community. Um, and then it has to be translated to 27 countries, so you will end up with uh, 54 different definitions of uh, um, energy communities. And so how it reminded me of the fact that, I mean, the observation that somehow this is a lot of work and effort um, that is trying to manage a transition um, as if in, in a way that you think the transition is going too fast and it has to be managed, it has to be kept in control. 
um, while it's going too slow. We don't have to spend our time on trying to define um, uh, the, optimal, the optimal solutions, trying to come up with um, goals for EPB and for per house in itself, which is it's a typical government perspective, which in economy they call static efficiency. They're afraid that, um, that they'll have to spend money wrongly, um, while in my view, it's the opposite of, of mm -hmm. um, static efficiency in economy. Uh, almost nobody knows that there's something called dynamic efficiency, which is you have to create a system that um, automatically accelerates uh, you have to set the rules so that if you do it once, actually the next time it will become cheaper and then cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And this is a, a reflex that we completely missed, I think, in, in the last 10 years when it comes towards, towards um, the, the building stock and building renovations. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that, that, is, that they try to manage as if it's, it's an evil and it has to be kept in control. Well, well, it is actually unleashing the potential. Yeah, well, we have to we have to um, grasp at every opportunity that there is. And for me, the, the discussion about energy communities is the best example of it. The goal of energy communities was to release the power of the people and to give the power to the people. Yeah, the last thing you need to do is and start to discuss about about possible definitions in legislations of what an energy community is allowed to be and what it's allowed not to be. And for me, for me, I mean, okay, this is totally not about energy, but for me, somehow, I mean, it was it was a small eye opener that I'm like, oh, it, it's it's we're, it's we're a very weird way. We're of locking ourselves up, yeah, yeah. You, you say, <laughs> in trying to to find the right words, the optimum description for what we should yeah, do. Yeah, well, at the end, if there is a need, nobody cares if the optimal solution. I prefer a dirty solution that does the trick and that does it, and we have a, a zero emission. Uh, housing stock that we spend 10% more money on it um, than, than trying to spend all our time and effort in engineering the perfect solution neighborhood by neighborhood, calculating the optimal levels of insulation. I don't care. Interesting. So, so if I add up the, the last words... But actually, to make the link... That's what I wanted to ask. To you. make the link in the sense that, for me, it should be about a system where we need less knowledge. It should be much more simpler to renovate a neighborhood. It should not be about engineers that know. I mean, I, I can do a perfect simulation of a neighborhood. It will be wrong. I spent 10 years studying simulations. It will still be wrong. It needs to, to be about very simple rules and very simple things that will do the trick. And that activate. That will act, yeah. And therefore, you need the capacities locally. So I, I, I start seeing a, a kind of sketch of what, what the next step is. You're actually making it very... Yeah, a very important contribution with uh, using uh, Van Bendigem, saying we, we should really stop trying to seize this topic eh, as a kind of policy framework that we define in the next three, four, five, six, seven years. But we should, we should really learn uh, more seriously from what we've tested. We see that there's an incredible lack of capacity. We see that there are certain regulations, but we need to uh, show that we, when we unleash this, and we can maybe start with this, uh, this as a capacity building program with all the people involved yet. Uh, and that's actually what we also tested uh, tonight, bringing and connecting together your different experiences in yeah, exploring and testing um, from uh, different vantage points in different locations. But I think still it adds up and it shows us that yeah, w the great transformation will not be about a big decision, but it will, will be about proving that the kind of flywheel, uh, uh, the dynamic, uh, model can start uh, going. I would like to thank you um, for each of your perspectives. Um, uh, Jim, Eva, Yves and Ruben.
I think we added uh, different perspectives and more than I expected, in fact, um, there was cohesion. Um, it was much more about how I pronounced things wrong than it was about how you amongst each other uh, <laughs> said uh, uh, different or opposing uh, things. So thank you for, uh, for this uh, third great transformation session on uh, energy districts. Next Thursday uh, at one o'clock, we have the, a greater transformation session which is actually uh, a series of roundtables uh, on European practice of transformation. We bring together different vantage points, first on the practice, how do we actually change things on the ground. We look at how different environments, platforms, ex experimental, experimental platforms are being set up. And then we will also bring it to the conversation on the new European Bauhaus uh, to see how actually the Green Deal, how that can land but we will actually continue to take the vantage point of street and eye uh, level to see how from the point of view of activating our local communities, we can actually contribute to the realization of bigger goals uh, without flying upwards to these uh, uh, top down or very abstract uh, questions. That's what will be uh, the, the conversation uh, next week. Um, looking forward to see you again and thanks a lot for following us. Thank you.